Again, we want to say how glad we are that Gareth and Malou are both here this evening. They are often in all corners of the world. And if you're not already on their prayer list, I'd encourage you to become part of that prayer team. You'll get messages from all corners of the earth. And uh, we're so glad that they are both in Catrum tonight and that Gareth is speaking to us. So welcome, Gareth. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for the invitation to be here tonight. Uh, I've been looking forward a long time to coming here, just to seeing the building. I know you're all used to it. You've been here, I think, almost a year. But it's, uh, it's great to be here, and I've been promised a tour afterwards, so I'm also looking, for that as, looking forward to that as well. Well, if you have a Bible, we're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. And if you've got one of these, I guess it's a church Bible, it's on page 1,220. 1,220. Uh, this is the passage that I've been given to share with you briefly tonight, and then we're going to spend some time discussing 1 Peter 4, verse 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. I really only want to look at one thing tonight. There's so much in this passage. Uh, you could almost take a verse a week. But the first words that we read were, the end of all things is near, or the end is near. And when Peter wrote those words, what was it, about 30 years, I think, since the death and resurrection of Jesus, he wasn't talking about political or economic or social history. He's writing about redemptive history. In other words, Peter was in the same place as we are now. What do I mean by that? Well, he was part of a history that had happened that could be traced through the Bible. So the creation, the fall, uh, the calling of Abraham, the exodus from Egypt, and then you go into the New Testament, you have the birth of Christ, his life, his death and resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit to establish the church. All that had happened when he's writing this, and all that, of course, has happened in our history. But there's one final act that still needs to take place, and that's the return of Jesus Christ. And so, when he says the end is near, he's looking towards that great future event that's going to happen. And so we have here all sorts of practical things that deal 
with Christian life as we look to the second coming of Jesus. But as I say, because of time, I just want to look at one verse that I think is very important for all of us. And in many ways, I think it's the key verse to this passage. And it's verse 10. So in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Now, this is an important verse because it talks about the whole subject of gifts. Gifts, whether they're practical or spiritual. Actually, my experience, when I think of gifts, I think they're probably a combination of both. And there are five different places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are mentioned. Romans, there's two parts of 1 Corinthians 12, there's Ephesians 4, there's 1 Peter 4, which we've just read. And if you want to add to that as well, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7, which declares that marriage and celibacy are also gifts. The Greek word for gift is charismata. So marriage is a gift, but also celibacy is a gift. Well, I think we can safely conclude that the various lists we have in the Bible are not exhaustive. For instance, think of the gift of helps. That's an incredibly wide umbrella term. It's actually only found in one place in the Bible. It means to uh, participate in or to support or to relieve. I mean, how many activities could legitimately come under that umbrella word helps. It has a huge range of applications. It can mean anything from you helping another Christian with their daily chores to assisting in the administration of the affairs of the church. Then there's the gift of generosity, the gift of giving, or just take evangelism. Gift or calling or whatever, it's such a wide subject. I mean, evangelism, you can be an open-air preacher. You can be uh, someone who goes door-to-door. You can be involved in one-on-one evangelism, friendship evangelism, music evangelism, gospel services, radio broadcasting, apologetics. It's such a huge area. So there, I don't think there's any definitive set number of gifts. I mean, obviously there are in eternity, but it is a massive area. And we need to understand here that when we're reading about gifts, we're not talking about something that's been earned. We haven't earned our gifts. They're not a reward because we've done certain things. It's not even something that we've chosen. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, the Spirit distributes them, that's the gifts, to each one just as he determines. So this is God's arrangement. It's not our arrangement. It was and his, his idea. So there isn't some great pile of gifts somewhere where you just go over and grab whatever takes your fancy. No, this is God's sovereign work. He decides who gets what. It's God who's in control. And it has to be because that then perfectly ensures that the maximum potential of the church is realized. It means there's a balance. It means there's a smooth operation. 
And since it is a gift, then I think we can safely say that somebody else has paid for it and has given it. Given it. That's why it's a gift. It's been given out of love for you and for me. Therefore, as I said, it's not ours because of something we've done. So, therefore, that excludes, that prohibits, that removes any chance of boasting or telling people that you have this gift because there is some reason for it. Having received it from God, that excludes all boasting. It's given solely as a result of, as the verse says, God's varied grace or grace in its various forms. Can you see here the variety of of gifts there are? Equally important, we should note that Peter states that everyone has at least one gift. Verse 10 begins, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received. No one should say, or no one should be allowed to say, unchallenged, I don't have a gift. I think some maybe sometimes say that because they don't know what their gift is. But all, every single child of God has a unique role and function in the body of Christ given by God. Now the handing out of these gifts is not primarily for the benefit of the recipients. And maybe... Even even as I'm saying this, there's somebody here thinking, well, okay, I understand that, but how do I find out what my gift is? Do you know what your gift is or gifts? Is this something you've ever sat down and thought about? Do you know which are yours? And I'm asking that question because this was precisely the question I had shortly after coming to the Lord as a student in Norwich over... My goodness, over 50 years ago. I knew that God had done something real and permanent in my life. I knew my life was set on a new course. I knew I was saved for a purpose that was far more than for my own benefit. Of course, it was great knowing I was forgiven. It's great having peace in your heart. And it's especially wonderful to have the assurance, not just of sins forgiven, but of a home in heaven. But I was surrounded by people, by students, who didn't know this. So what was I supposed to do? What was I going to be? Was I going to be an evangelist? Was that the gift God was going to give me? Or a counsellor? Or a pastor? Or a teacher? Or a missionary? I mean, how could I find out what God has put in me in terms of gifts that I could use to serve others for extending the kingdom? That's what it says in verse 10. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So this was a very important question shortly after I'd come to Christ. And I wanted the answer immediately. You know how impatient sometimes we can be when we're younger, even when we're older as well. I want to know now. What's the gift? Show me, please. I'm ready. What part? Am I going to play in furthering the kingdom of God? What do you want me to do, Lord? Well, at that moment, I was just at the beginning of a three-year teacher's training college course. 
And I didn't feel it was right just to walk away from that and walk out by faith into the world to see what happened. But how was I going to discover what my gifts were? Well, I thought about this. And I decided, I guess there were two options. You could go to a big hotel where they're doing a spiritual gift seminar, pay a few hundred pounds, have a nice lunch, get a glossy portfolio. I don't know that's really the answer. I thought, I will try this. And this is what I did. And this was the prayer I prayed, really. It was a prayer. I said, Lord, if you ever give me an opportunity to serve you, help me never to say no. That prayer probably took about 10, 15 seconds. If I ever get an opportunity to serve you, Lord, help me never to say no. Very easy to say that. Uh, It's a different thing putting it into practice. I didn't have to wait very long, actually, for the first opportunity. Having just come to Christ, I was working with the Christian builders at the church and we were painting the outside of a house in the days when you, you know, before PVC, when you had wood and you had to paint the woodwork. And the guy on the other ladder, who was a Christian, he said to me, Gareth, he said, would you, uh, would you come and preach at my church? And actually, I've forgotten my promise that I'd made. And I said to him, I don't think so. But he wasn't easily put off. A few days later, he said, Gareth, I wonder if you'd be prepared to come and preach at my church. And then I remembered the promise. If God gives you an opportunity to serve him, never say no. I said, okay. I said, uh, how long do you want me to preach for? He said, 30 minutes. I said, okay. Um, What do you want me to speak on? He came up with a very spiritual answer, which wasn't very helpful. As you feel led. Well, I hadn't been a Christian very long. I didn't really know my way around the Bible. But I was going to do my best. So I prepared this message. Absolutely, exactly 30-minute message. I had 17 sheets of paper, all numbered, double-spaced, one side only. And so I arrived to preach my message. Quite confident. Probably that was the problem. Quite confident that it would go well. So I started at exactly 11 o'clock. Went through the whole of the message. Looked up, expecting the clock to say 11.30. It said 11.13. I thought, was the clock stopped? Have I missed some of the sheets of my paper? No, I hadn't. I just preached incredibly fast. In fact, it was so fast, only 45 minutes of the service had elapsed. The worship band had to come back out and lead some more singing. I can't describe how depressed and low that I felt. And uh, I remember I I didn't go and say goodbye to everybody. I sat down at the front and I was just looking at the ground. And Ken, who'd invited me, came over to me. He said, you all right, Gareth? I said, no. He said, what's the matter? I said, Ken, what's the matter? My 30-minute message lasted 13 minutes. He said, yes, it was a bit quick. I said, a bit quick? It's like an express train going through the church. And so he talked to me and said he enjoyed what I'd said. I thought, yes, yes, trying to cheer me up. And then he said to me, well, will you come back and preach again? And initially, I thought he was being sarcastic. I didn't seriously think he would want me to come back and preach again. Well, I did come back and preach again. And here I am today. 
This is the 191st time I've spoken this year. And Friday, Saturday and Sunday I'll be in France speaking in a church there. Because if you want to know what your gift is, then surely you need to say, Lord, if I have an opportunity, give me the courage, give me the strength to take it and not say no. And by doing that, I've found the things I can't do. Many things I'm no good at. But other things I have a passion for, I have a desire for. And God gives gifts to every single believer. So I don't know, maybe there's somebody here tonight, and actually you've just been asked to do something. And you've been thinking, oh, I've never done that before. When you say I've never done that before, that's not an excuse, that's a statement of fact, okay? Try it. Will you be frightened? Yeah, sure, I'm always frightened. Even standing up here tonight, I feel frightened looking at all you. And also, you'll probably make a a few mistakes. I've made a huge number of mistakes. But okay, two steps down and three steps up is progress, isn't it? Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So if you too have an opportunity to serve the Lord, whatever it is, can I encourage you, can I urge you, never say no. And then trust God to lead you and guide you on and on in his plans for your life. So that's, our time is almost gone. That's all I want to say. Um, I've written out three questions um, from this passage. The first question is dealing with what I've just shared from this verse. There are other questions. Um, did you manage to get them up on the screen for us? Oh, they're there, right. Wow, I was reading that screen, this screen. Pretty good. Right, so should we go to and have our discussions?